Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome, folks, to the Two Guys at a Mic Show on the TalkZone.com. The coach coming at you. Big Dog about to join us. Beautiful, beautiful Friday here in the fine city of Chicago. We are so glad you could join us in our semi-dysfunctional one-hour sports talk show. Should mention producer extraordinaire David Olson taking a much-deserved day off today. Assistant producer, engineer, and jack-of-all-trades. Randy Myers on the other side of the glass. Big Dog and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. NBA draft. Got the College World Series, Women's World Cup, baseball, round them up, wrap them up. The NHL draft. All kinds of stuff going on, including the music of the talk zone.com. What would a day be like without the music of the TalkZone.com? Saturdays and Sundays, I don't come in. i got to get a tape of that music. Now I know I've been so morose the last couple of weekends. You know, there's just nothing to motivate me. Let me welcome in a guy that can motivate you on a regular basis, the Big Dog. Joel Redwanski, check it in via the telecommunicative phone lines. Big Dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. How you doing? To be quite honest with you, I'm not very happy about you ripping the music, which... That music led directly to the finding of Osama bin Laden. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm almost afraid to ask, but uh, you said indirectly or directly? Oh, directly. We really? That, we started playing that music down in Gitmo. People started talking. Okay. You gotta love it. I mean, legitimately, uh, TalkZone.com doing more than just, uh, you know, like helping people out is all I'm saying. It's, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you are, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the, Gitmo and the torture coming to mind. If you're uh, into, if you want to see some quality, quality torture in a revenge mode, check out the movie. There was a 1970s and then they did a remake last year and it's called I Spit on Your Grape. You ever heard of this? No, I haven't. All right. If you got, if you got an hour and a half to kill and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Unsettling, but uh, it's basically a female revenge movie in the way she gets revenge one by one on the uh, the fellows that kind of uh, took advantage of her, to say the least. Big dog, it is a quality. If you're into torture, it's quality torture at its finest. I, I'm into quality torture. Yeah, you got to be in the mood though. Got to be in the mood. I spit on your grave, and again, watch it with only the greatest of caution. Uh, big deal. We got lots to talk about today, including the NBA draft. After I left you yesterday, I did about three or four more mock drafts on my own. One of them was in the, uh, washroom facilities here at the talkzone.com, a couple at home, but, uh, I was totally into the NBA draft. I know you had to umpire last night, so you were not able to watch, correct? Well, uh, I, I umpired last night, and, uh, the, uh, that was just ended up being, you don't want to go into all of that, but the field was being repaired at the ball, so I showed up. Okay, and next oh thing, I know I'm not kidding you. Right field has about 15 crates of sod on it, and the infield has six piles of dirt six feet high. So I'm like, I don't look like we're using the field. Well, all these teams show up, so we play in the outfield anyways. Uh, the last team didn't show up, so I said, the, the guys were like, hey, we still want to play. I'm like, hey, I'll let you use the field as long as I can get a couple rips. 
And they're like, no problem. So I let him use the field. They gave me a couple at-bats, and then I left early. Mm-hmm. What a night. So I'm walking down Lincoln Avenue uh, with the girlfriend. Who, who decides that if she doesn't spend at least 100 to $300 a night on us going out, that she didn't have an, a good enough time? I don't know how she does it. I, I, I have no idea. You know, I mean, she's a working person like anybody else. But, I mean, she, has, she decides that every single night has to be like uh, a fiesta. A couple of Saturday, Saturdays ago, my wife uh, wanted to go out. She said, just take me somewhere expensive. I don't care where we go. I went to a gas station. That's not bad, Coach. Thank you very much. All right, continue. Walking down Lincoln Avenue, and, and all of a sudden I walk past uh, White Fool's Pub, and, and I look up, I'm like, do you guys have Miller High Life for $2 a bottle? <laughs> oh, boy. And he's like, yeah. This is not good. Fact, he, he turns around, and he points at a sign, and it says, Miller High Life draft, 10 ounces. 50 cents. Woo! Wow. I, remember, I don't remember much after that, to be who, quite honest with you. Who was uh, driving in this quality partnership? I know it couldn't have been you because you were still without automobile. It, it was uh, Metra, the only way. Ah, okay. But the, still, you still got to find your way to Metra. You don't think I know how to go south? Well, I understand you know, but 50 cent, 10 ounce Miller lights, I'm worried you get on a train and next thing you know is you see a sign for, you know, welcome to Baltimore. We, uh, the two of us had a thirty-five dollar car tab. She's she's a hundred and ten pound Asian girl. This wow. was a thirty-five dollar bar tab. I don't wow. know how we did it. To be quite honest with you, the guy behind the bar was like, "Wow, you two <laughs> really go at it." So, <laughs> what, oh, what what's the name of this place again? Wise Fools Pub. Wise Fools. It used to be Waterloo. It's where I met my wife. Because I was like, you know, this place really seems familiar to me. And I asked the guy <laughs> behind the bar, I was like, hey, was this place used to be Waterloo? Uh, We've been open since 1969. It's Wise Fools Pub. Wow. It's Wise Fools, Waterloo. So I asked the, the, the bouncer, I'm like, hey, is this place used to be Waterloo? He's like, yeah. I just want to tell the bartender, he's dummy. That's where you met your, your ex-wife? Yeah, my ex-wife. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, and I'm not kidding you, the first day I met her, and I should have known better, Coach. She was like, "Hey, listen, I'm a div- I'm a divorce lawyer. Mm-hmm. We if we get if you know we end up you know falling in love, I'll take everything from you." She was joking around that day. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, seven years to the date, exactly. It was, she was exactly that's exactly what she did, Coach. It was amazing. I so you it. married a divorce lawyer, and then little did you know, but you get you became like client number eighteen. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just married; I'm also a customer. You could be like the guy from the men's warehouse. <laughs> That's not bad, Coach. Uh, it's not good either. It's interesting that, but uh, in the bar, I was able to watch the draft without any sound. You know what I mean? So I didn't have to listen to Jay Billis say he was long and athletic. I didn't get, I didn't get Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy. I didn't hear him say 20 times, he's got intangible. Okay. <laughs> Off the court, this is the type of kid you are in your organization. I didn't get to hear that. It was an interesting combo in the studio. Jay Bill, or, um, Jeff Van Gundy losing hair, his glasses are bigger. He's starting to look... If he put 50 pounds on him, he's starting to look like Harry Carey, quite frankly. But uh, he was very... Funny that you say that because I was thinking Roger Ebert if you threw a, if you threw a Birmingham. Ooh. I mean, a, a, what do you call it? A, a wig on him. That's an interesting... i got, I got to let that one sink in a little bit. But, but he was very cerebral, very thoughtful. Then you had John Barry in there who kind of played the part of the, the smartass. And Jay Billis, I don't know, maybe I was just imagining it. I felt there was a little creative tension going on. I didn't think Jay Billis was a happy camper. As you know, he's one of our favorite guys. He would analyze the college players, but there was no humor from a Jay Billis. Stuart Scott rarely went to him for any kind of commentary. I almost felt like Jay was an outsider 
with the three NBA guys, Stu Scott, um, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy, and John Bear. I could have been imagining it, but I felt some uh, sexual tension. I, so I get home at like uh, you know like two in the morning, wherever it was. I start watching the draft on replay on ESPN. Yep, I, I'd agree with you, Coach. And as a matter of fact, more than once, like somebody was supposed to talk and nobody said anything, and there was yes. uncomfortable silence. It was yep. okay. That happens on a set once in a four-hour period, and then they're like, "Hey, we, come on, guys, you, mm-hmm. your job. You're supposed to talk for a yep. living." So you it noticed that like, there was there was I'm not sure what it was, but something going on. It was, it was, the production of the show was fine. It was the four guys on the, yes. you're exactly right, coach. I, I had, Stuart Scott is about as good as a professional as you're going to get. Yep. You know, he might not be the most liked guy by guys in the profession, mm-hmm. but he never, I've never seen them with a lack of something to say. Uh, legitimately, he, he would, he would say something and like look at the other guys and they wouldn't say anything. So yep. He two seconds later just start talking again. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, yeah. these guys are just going to sit here like a bump on the log." You know what? After uh, however many 50 cent Miller lights you had at 2 in the morning, that's pretty good recognition for yourself, but that's exactly what happened. We should throw our phone number out any listeners watch the NBA draft you want to comment on your particular team or, or the telecast as the big dog and myself are alluding to 888-463-6748 again 888-463-6748. Yeah, it was uh, a little uncomfortable to watch big dog just from uh from that standpoint, and the biggest thing was they weren't, you know, they were analyzing, but there was uh, they weren't having any fun. Yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right, Coach. And uh, yeah, it, it, I still have not watched the NFL draft, and it's it's I'm going to watch it today. That's exactly what I'm going to do is this afternoon is going to lay on the couch and, Wait, and watch the, the NFL draft. The NFL draft? Yeah, I still have it on tape. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> and I, tomorrow I have I have to do like nine tours on the river tomorrow, so I'm not doing. Uh, no, I'm I'm a so. sick DVR big dog. You know me, and I'll you know. Five in the morning, I'm up watching. Uh, I'll be watching many tapes of the Women's World Cup coming up next week. I'm sure I'll be at waking up a couple morning. But the NFL draft was held how long ago? Like it two was months? Last weekend in April, so two months ago. And you've still got that on tape, and you plan on spending some quality time with your TV in the NFL draft today. I was not going to watch it until the lockout ended. But all of a sudden, after last night's draft, I really need the fix of the, the draft of of my favorite sport, mind you. And, and, and as, as, even though football is my favorite sport, i, I got to be honest with you, the NBA draft is better than the, the NFL draft. Yes. Talking, it gets done in you know three hours, two rounds. Yep. You you know these guys. You know what I mean? Normally, I, I will admit, but this year, I mean, I was like, who is who are all these guys? Do you think that had something to do with it, too? That the fact that maybe these guys, half the people in the draft, they never heard of before. Can you imagine the amount of work that these good normally let, let's face it, you know Mel Kiper, Chris Berman, uh, the, Chris Mortensen. When they do the NFL draft, they know from right now they're studying college players and they got to figure out. Hey, we have a whole weekend of television to do. Normally the NBA draft, these guys watch a couple games of film. They they watch the NCAA tournament. They know all these guys. All right, we got to find out about five uh, guys from uh, Europe, uh, so that you know they work for like maybe four or five days. Learn about those guys. But now this year. You mean you got to find a guy from Turkey, a guy from the Democratic Republic? Well, but they've got they've got the Fran Frischillo. They're European experts, so they don't need to be, you know. Every time one of those guys was drafted, they went to a double F Fran Frischillo. So, if you're saying the NBA draft guys, the, the studio guys, have a harder time preparing than the NFL? 
No, no, just this year I was thinking. Maybe oh. they're not used to having his work as hard as – no, no. The NFL, the NFL has seven rounds, yes. 32 teams. And, Much harder. Oh, there's, and there's no question, I mean, how the, the, the depth of the people that you have to know because if there's 32 teams drafting seven rounds, you have to cover twice as many players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you have to know 120 in the NBA draft, 60 are going to get picked. In the NFL, you've got to know yep. 500 and 250 are going to get picked. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought you were alluding to the fact that the NFL might have been uh, easier to do, but you're right, the NBA draft, and that, that even makes it a little more embarrassing that the guy, well, it wasn't lack of preparation. It was just, again, maybe something happened behind the scenes. It just looked a little bit, uh, not terrible, it was still a good watch, but a little bit uncomfortable with the studio guys. But uh, still fun. I watched through a, a round and a half. About midway through the second round, I killed the tape machine, big dog. But I, like you, by the way, was umpiring last night. How many sports talk shows? Around the country can say that both of their sport talk hosts were umpiring. I don't know if you want to say this, not something to be proud of, but we were both umpiring softball games last night. How about that? I'm not going to complain because what a good time. What a good time. I, yeah. I actually and we get paid enjoy for it. umpiring. Yeah, yeah. I thoroughly in, enjoy umpiring. Yeah. People, when I start getting MF'd by like a, like a five foot two girl that is totally drunk <laughs> after she just started out at the face. People get upset about it. I just look at the, I just look at the people and they, they, they just, and then, you know, and what I do is I, I now I start talking back a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. a funny coach. It's a good time there. I, I, I love it. Yeah, and, and again, getting paid for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We had uh, not on our field, but the field immediately next to us, paramedic trucks came. I did not see the direct injury, but apparently Big Dog. And this is with not the 16-inch ball, but a squish ball. I don't know if you've seen those or not. I don't know what the official term is, maybe a gym ball, but basically it's a 14-inch squish ball used for co-rec games. Uh huh. Okay. Well, girls playing third base, you wouldn't think you could get hurt with a safety-friendly squish ball. No misuse. Line drive, and she caught it on the tip of her. I think uh, not the pinky finger, but the finger next to it. Now, again, I didn't see it, but one of my good friends from the other field, when I asked him what happened, said that uh, not only did she fracture the finger, the bone actually went through the skin at the second knuckle, and the girl went into shock, and they had to call the paramedics. Nasty. Oh, I gotta tell you something, Coach. I, I yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's nasty. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Like compound no. fractures. Oof. Compound fractures are disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the key fracture. is, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't want the person who got the injury. If you are helping them immediately, you cover it up. Don't let them see it because then then they can go into shock when they actually see it. Because the that's pain, apparently, I don't think the pain is that bad. Your when your body goes into shock, that's what it's doing. It's actually like numbing the pain. Sensors. It actually is. It actually will calm mm-hmm. down. Uh, like it, it activates everything in your body, which puts your body in a sense where it does, can't do anything. But, but it, it eliminates the one pain throbbing in your hand at that uh-huh. point. But but doesn't the visual look of it add to the ability uh, to go into shock? Oh, without a doubt. It yeah. Does. Without it, without question, you see yeah. that, and it will create anxiety. Medical expert Joel Radwanski joining us, and uh, Joel, uh, Doctor Reds. If somebody goes into shock, what are some of the dangers and what should some of the people around them do if somebody goes into shock? Without question, <laughs> the first thing you got to do is say, thank God it's not me. Okay, that's the first thing. <laughs> thank you, doctor. <laughs> um, what's the second thing? And no, don't no, say no, 50 cents. Call Calling 911 is, is the best thing. It, yes. it really is, Coach. Uh, lay the people down. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Hey, make sure that they don't look at it. Yeah. And you, can, uh, you, have, you continually check their... Uh, their pulse and yep. their breathing. Yeah. Because 
the, believe it or not, like they, you can go into cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. can quit breathing if you're in shock. So that's mm-hmm. like, you have to, and then obviously you put you go to put them in CPR at that point. So that's basically all you do. Mm-hmm. Thank God it's not me. Talk talk to them. Use a little bit of sense of humor, and that will decrease the panic of the situation because they're kind of reading your expression too. And assure them that help is on the way. Yeah. And and then again, reiterate to them. Thank God it's not me. Yeah, this girl was tough though. <laughs> oh, thank you, Miss Doctor Sympathy. Uh, that could be a new character on our show, Doctor Sympathy. I actually kind of like that concept. We may have to work with that. Have your people uh, call my people that will do lunch. Um, this girl was tough though. She was like, eh, "I'm fine. Don't you, you know? I'll drive to the hospital." Don't. She was telling the supervisor, "Don't call the paramedics. Don't call the paramedics." Tough young yeah, lady. Of course she was. Yeah, don't call the paramedics. <laughs> That's what she asked. She didn't. She didn't want any help. It's right down the street. I will walk there. I don't. Have, I can't afford the eighteen hundred dollars it's going to cost me for the the ambulance ride. I, I mean, I don't blame her. Like seriously, like like that's happened to me in a situation before. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm absolutely fine. We called the paramedics. I'm like, are you going to pay for the ambulance? Hey, you got a compound fracture. Money is no object. I didn't. Yeah. Oh my. Well, it's a, well, compound fracture is totally different. Somebody yeah. called the paramedics. Like when they thought I, I hit my head. We called immediately. <laughs> like, why are you serious? Paramedics. We got to up your pay here on the show, Big Dub, because over the course of the last four or five days, you have been our uh, NASCAR auto racing expert. You've been our NBA draft uh, analyst. I'm sorry, analyst. Um, you've been our baseball expert and a couple other things, and today you are our doctoral, uh, offering doctoral advice for people in shock. Really tremendous amount of hats that you wear, and you wear them all very quite well, Big Dub. And and I want to have to say I I think I uh, I, uh, I I should have had my hand checked for a compound fracture last night uh, when pick number twenty seven in the NBA draft. <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm watching the draft and 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 now I have to admit you're the one who told me about the guy Chris Singleton coach. Yeah, I mean that guy's just a tenacious defender, and I figure if the Bulls have to play LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Finals the next five years they're going to really need a really good six foot seven six foot eight good body yep. guy that can get to defense so like i'm sitting there, i'm like you know he's not going to be around but hopefully you now, there, there there were reports he would go as high as 12 or 13 the defensive sensation out of florida state yeah and he fell to like a 17 or 18 i was surprised about that a, a real surprise especially with the everybody wanting defense in, in, in the mm-hmm. nba and now then i'm watching it and then all of a sudden i see the best available and all of a sudden i see like number eight at the time Jawan Johnson of Purdue. Yep. And I'm like, how has he not been drafted? How? And it keeps going. It keeps going. And the Bulls are picking 28. And all of a sudden, the 27 team is up there, and the Bulls still have a chance to get this guy. And I, I'm like, I'm sorry, it's got to happen. It's got to when the, whoever picked Jawan Johnson with the 27th pick when the Bulls are coming up at 28, I hit the bar so hard. I thought I, I almost, with the 27th pick in the NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Jawan Johnson forward. Purdue University. So the the Celtics get a guy that should have been a top eight pick. I don't, I don't think people realize how good Jawan Johnson is. If you mm-hmm. watch any Big Ten basketball the last couple of years, you 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 either one of two things: you're a Purdue fan and you absolutely love the guy, or you're not a Purdue fan and you hate the guy because he killed your team for the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's what a pick by the Celtics. Now here's the really cool thing with uh, with the Boston Celtics and with Jawan Johnson. I love this. I didn't discover until I read the paper this morning. In the second round, the late second round, the Boston Celtics second pick, big dog. 
Was it Etwan Moore? Etwan Moore, his fellow teammate from Purdue. They played together uh, for four years at Purdue, and now they're going to be together at the Boston Celtics. How cool is that? And all they did over four years were uh, basically dominate the Big Ten, yep. win a couple Big Ten championships. You get those two guys next year if they draft Northwestern's John Sherna, I think the Boston Celtics will be dominant another 20 years. There's there's a quite there's a possibility of that if they get Sherna <laughs> coach. Do you think do you think he's going to fall all the way down to the draft? He's probably going to be a lottery pick coach. They're looking at Sherna to replace uh, Kevin Garnett possibly, huh? When's the last time we've seen a Northwestern player, Big Doe? You are our NBA draft analyst. A Northwestern player picked in the first two rounds. I'm trying to remember. Okay, I guarantee, I guarantee I got one for you, Coach. And let me give you a hint. Okay. Uh, he was he had more senior seasons than Freddie Adu had 17-year-old <laughs> years. Oh, boy, I should know this. Let's see. He over okay. Not Vidran Vasukvich. Big, white, stiff. Oh, oh, uh, Evan Eschmeyer? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time ago now. Yeah, that was like... That's a long wait for the Northwestern fans to have a kid draft. That was like 12 years ago? Was it that long ago? I, I don't think so, Coach. I think he was still at Northwestern while we were doing the sh- the, the, the morning break. We've mm-hmm. been together, what, eight or nine years now. I think I think uh, he was still in college while we were... Maybe not. I don't know. But he was drafted, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played played a little bit in the NBA, and you're right about his college career. I think he entered college like in the mid '80s, and and finally had his last senior year like mid '90s. <laughs> yeah. He did. He did have one legitimate redshirt season. Then he had a medical redshirt season, and yep. then he had something where uh, he had an incident on campus where uh, he did something really special. So Northwestern gave him an extra year yep. of eligibility, and the Big Ten was like, "Hey, you guys aren't going to win anyways." Then he had a brief. Trist, I think, with one of the science teachers, and they said, oh, what the hell, let's give him another year for that. It just went on and on. Mm-hmm. The, the, he had a lot of chemistry with that science teacher. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, 888-463-6748, breaking down the NBA draft, or in the case of the big dog with that number 27 pick, just breaking down. The Chicago Bulls do go for the future. They pick a guy that's going to be in uh, – uh, playing, uh, well, he's from Montenegro. I forget what European league he's playing, but he's signed for like four or five more years, so they won't see him for a while. Nicolo. Well, that's actually, that would be Nikolai. No, wouldn't, what? Nikolai Morotic. No, I got, yeah. Uh, oh, he's uh, playing with Real Madrid. Excellent soccer team. I don't know about their basketball. Uh, Nikolai Mirotic. So, uh. Hey, very nice. Uh, coach, that's, uh, a good pick for the Bulls, because what was I complaining about? For two months with this NBA draft, I'm like, they got two picks and neither one can make the team. Mm-hmm. Well, they got a guy that, yep. uh, like, that, wow, we can get this guy at this pick because he's incredible, but we won't get him for a few years. That's yep. exactly the type of pick they needed right it, there. It's so frustrating to have to wait three or four years, but if there ever was a year when you can do that, because they pretty much got a 62 win team and great chemistry and fairly young coming back. So you're right. As frustrating it is to be patient, it was probably a smart choice. Yeah, you know, as, as we all we all want the satisfaction now, we all do. And but uh, let's face it, look the situation that the Bulls were in—that's probably the the best choice that they could have had, mm-hmm. honestly. Because I, I can't imagine two two rookies making this team. I, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Why waste a draft pick? Say that name one more time. I got to hear that because that that sounded good. Nikolai Mirotic. Very nice. Very nice. That's why you are our NBA draft analyst. While you're uh, analyzing or uh, analyzing, give us a report. Chicago Bulls, uh, of course, Kyrie Irving was the number one pick in the draft. Wasn't a lot of major surprise. I guess the biggest surprise, Big Dog, was Tristan Thompson. 
And from the University of Tech, a freshman going as the fourth overall pick, and he was slated to go about 11 or 12. I thought that was one of the best picks of the entire draft. Has some gumption. Everybody else is he's, he's 15. Tristan Thompson could have been the number one pick. If you think about upside and all that other stuff, he possibly he dominated this year as a freshman coach. And not only did he dominate, he showed versatility, the, the shot selection, the ability to hit a 15-foot jump shot. And, and, and how many like highlight dunks did he have on SportsCenter this year? So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, I know the American kid. You know, I don't know if he's better than the two European guys that picked ahead of him and behind him. I don't know. We're going to have to find that out. But of the American kids, Tristan Thompson, that was the right pick. I would have taken him above Brandon Knight. And to be honest with you, maybe even above Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Wow. But uh, the Tristan Thompson is a skilled, athletic basketball player coach. He was worried that he wasn't you know, going to be drafted high, high enough. He was almost going to go to Europe for a year. Just so he could say he's got some European blood and then maybe get drafted higher by the NBA. That's that's how strong the European recruiting is now. Go, go figure. His work ethic, Coach. By the way, uh, speaking of work ethic, I thought the best part of that, I don't know if you saw this or not, when Jan Vesely got picked by the Washington Wizards from the Czech Republic and he stood up and uh, gave a rather elongated and passionate kiss to the girlfriend. Did you catch that? I did not see that. Woo! Uh, do you still have it on, on tape? I don't, but I will. It's, check it it's in. unfortunate. Is uh, she? Um, uh, is she one of those fine Eastern European young ladies? Yeah, blonde hair, looked very Czech Republic, tall, beautiful. Is like whoa, and it was not just the usual little you know peck with the cameras watching. There was definitely some passion and clip. But the best part about it, I think I don't know if it was Stuart Scott or the guy interviewing when they when they were going to bring him up. They uh, said, all right, now Jan Vesely, uh, besides outstanding taste in women. Let's find out a little bit more about Jan Vessel. He said he actually mentioned that, and they asked him in the interview about the kiss and stuff. I thought it was, a little, it was uh, one of the rare light moments of the entire show. Well, that's a cool moment. Cause yeah. Normally during the draft, when somebody does something, it's not like, hey, what a cool moment. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that guy's going to remember that. The rest is like, Joe Kim Noah's dressed like a clown? Oh, you mean he wore a bad suit? No, yeah. no, no, he's dressed like a clown. You know what I mean? It's It's... And Joe Kim Noah is going to end up winning NBA championships, being all team, uh, all first team NBA defensive team, and he'll never live that down. Twenty years from now, they'll be like, "Remember when you dressed like a clown at the NBA draft? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was my suit I picked out." So, yeah, but another crazy moment. How about the guy holding the baby when he got picked? That's cool. Did you see that one? Yeah, Kenneth Fareed, the local yeah. kid. Yes. Oh, he's a local kid. Yeah, that's why he was in the crowd. Yeah, that was the the big part of the interview. He was he grew up. I think two blocks from where do they hold it? At the Prudential Center? Do they hold that Madison Square Garden, don't they, Coach? No, I don't think so. They won't, not anymore, huh? Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, that, that was the whole reason. He was not in the green room, but he was part of the studio audience there and uh, had a big following and only a couple of blocks. I was trying to figure out which one's the mom, though. I don't think mom was there. No? Either mom wasn't there or he likes to, uh, here's the thing for older women. Either one, <laughs> possible stranger things of it but that was kind of cool holding the baby i thought he was gonna bring the baby up on stage but then he... i did too i was i was like oh that would yeah. definitely be a yeah. new one so. and that dude boy i'll tell you what you talk about a guy going after a basketball rebound you want to teach kids how to rebound folks 
not so much the great technique of boxing out big dogs. So many coaches spend their time, you know, with the pivot and the wide stance and the boxing out. That's all fine and dandy. But I'm gonna, I'm here to tell you, to all the kids out there, the men's recreational hackers out there, anybody who wants to be a good rebounder, technique is about 20% of it. The rest of it, the rest of it is how bad you want the ball, how angry, how vicious you are, how relentless you are going after the ball. And Kenneth Farid, if you watched him play big dog, might be as good a college rebounder as we have ever seen. And, again, it's not because of his technique or his height. It's because it's just vicious when he goes for rebounds. You know, some things translate, and tenaciousness does, Coach. It honestly does. Or as Jay Billis said a couple times last night, I love this, you can't teach relentless. <laughs> right? Hey, come on, man. Here's how, here's how you got to be more relentless. You can't teach it. And, boy, Kenneth Fareed and uh, who's the other kid? It. You can prod it out of somebody, though, Coach. <laughs> well, maybe you can. I've never been able to. Okay. The other kid that has that, who is it? Oh, Kawhi Leonard from uh, San Diego State. He's got a little bit of that in that, too. But uh, do you think Jan Vesely went higher? He was the sixth overall pick. Do you think the girlfriend played a part of that, Big Dog? I know I've been part of, uh, you know, you get some of the older dads together for Little League drafts. Randy, take notes on this. So you're coaching your kid's baseball team. You know, your first, second, third, fourth round picks, you're going for the stuff. When it gets down to like the seventh, eighth, ninth round, Big Dog, uh-huh. a lot of times the mom will come into play. You know, Coach, I was always drafted late first round, early second round, and I wasn't a pitcher in Little League. There it is. I can hit a little bit. My mom's gorgeous. There it is. I'm here to tell you that plays a part in the draft. Not with me, of course, because I was the ultimate professional, but for some of the other dads in the room. So you know, I'm, I'm thinking Jan Vesely, probably maybe a 14-15 pick, but, you know, the Washington Wizards, what else do you got going? You might as well draft the Czech Republic kid who's got the gorgeous uh, either girlfriend and or wife. Now, do, you, uh, do these guys draft uh, via single moms? Because if they're drafting married women, that, that's a little sick, Coach. I don't think my guess is they weren't married. Based on the kiss, they might have just started going out. Oh, so they really seem like they liked each other. <laughs> That's pretty much it. How about Bismack Biomba, Michael Jordan trading up to get, you mentioned the upside of Tristan Thompson. Have you seen the backside of Bismack Biomba? Oh, my God. That's a rear end that can box some people out. And just calling it the Democratic Republic of Congo, isn't that already kind of like, isn't that kind of repetitive? I didn't know he's from the Democrat. I knew he was from Congo, but he's from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, isn't that Interesting. Like, uh, yeah, it is a repetitive. I want, I want my freedom if I don't get it, I want my liberty. <laughs> That's an outstanding point. I'll tell you what, the, the, another good part about the draft is you watch the highlight films of these guys. And everyone you watch when you watch the highlight film, you're thinking to yourself, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be a stud. <laughs> you're so funny. You're right. And I'm thinking, if Jawan Johnson's going 28, how good are the first 27 guys in this Yeah. Race? I mean, you know, 11.30 last night, I'm getting excited about Iman Shumpert, the number 17 pick out of Georgia Tech. By the way, a local kid from the uh, Chicago area. By the way, how bad did he get booed? Woo! Wow. That was incredible. So I'm 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 with the girlfriend at the time, and I'm I'm like pointing to the screen, and I'm like, you see all these people going crazy there in New York? Mm-hmm. They're about to they're about to pick somebody, and I was like, if if they don't get, I just said one guy, I forgot who it was at the time, the guy, top guy on the board, they're going to go crazy. And she's like, well, how do you know? Next thing you know, they take Iman Shumper, who wasn't predicted to go until like late first round. Yep. 
that place went up for a grab. Yep. I mean, those they were the, like Donnie, like they're going to kill Donnie Walsh when they see him on the street. I'm glad Iman wasn't there because that would have really been embarrassing. Yeah, and he don't need extra pressure. You know what I mean? You play in New York, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, they don't want me. You know, yeah. I don't. That, that's difficult. If that's I'm a difficult transition. If I'm Iman Shumper right now, Big Dog, you'll get this connection. You might have to explain it to some of our uh, mid-range sports fans. As you know, the two guys in a mic show, we are the sports show that appeals to the non-sports fan. Unfortunately, Randy, our problem is we have struggle appealing to the actual sports fan, but that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> he should go out and get the football jersey of Philadelphia Eagle, ex-Philadelphia Eagle quarterback Donovan McNabb. Yeah, because if, uh, if anybody remembers the, in 19, the 1999 draft, yep. They wanted Ricky Williams, Ricky, Ricky, and then uh, uh, it's hilarious. Uh, if you think about that draft, Tim Couch goes number one, Achilles Smith goes number two, Oof. Donovan McNabb. Okay, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. Pick Ricky. They pick Donovan McNabb. And the trash is being thrown. They're booing. <laughs> what a pick! Donovan McNabb should have been the first player taken in that in that draft. I said it back in 1999. I was in 1999. I was still absolutely upset that Illinois had two consecutive winless seasons when Donovan McNabb should have been their quarterback. But they said we'll give you a scholarship if yep. you play strong safety. That's exactly out. right. You know, so you think about it. At this point, Donovan McNabb is dealing with the fact he didn't go to school he wanted to. <laughs> the guy to go to Syracuse. You know, and then all and all of a sudden he's in. The, oh, I finally saw it, Coach. I just saw the girl. Am I right? I, she's an extremely attractive girl. <laughs> and earrings. Oh, my goodness. The earrings. It was like he was dating like a girl from the 1950s. She was like in an evening gown. I mean, that was class right there. That was some serious class. She looked spectacular. And I'm not just talking about what she looked like. I mean, the girl was dressed to the nines. Pretty cool. So, the uh, words of departed Detroit Piston coach Chuck Daly? Awfully good. Awfully good. Awfully good. So just getting back to the yeah, Donovan McNabb dealt with it. I, that was the worst introduction I think any player may have ever gotten in any draft coach. Yep. And if you think about it, it's funny because of a lot. Sometimes they're right. You know, they go back and they show these drafts of like when New York and Philadelphia fans freak out and just boo out of their mind. They're usually right, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, by the way, that the Philadelphia fans could have been so rude to a player. The normally well-behaved Philadelphia fans. Yeah, can you believe that? You know, yeah. think about it now. Who would they rather have, Ricky Williams or Donovan McNabb? Yeah, obviously the 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 question's easy. The future Hall of Famer, I think, would be the choice. Uh, oh, uh, locally, by the way, got to mention uh, some local kids that did not get drafted: Ben Hansborough out of Notre Dame, Jacob Pullen, who played ball here at Proviso East, our show based out of the Chicago area. So we got a little vet that way. Jacob Pullen out of Kansas State, not drafted. Jeremy Richmond, who quit Illinois after his freshman year, not drafted. Dimitri McCamey, who at the beginning after. Six or seven games last year, Big Dog, of his senior year, if he would have come out and he played a real good first six, seven game, he probably would have been a mid first round pick. Didn't even get drafted in all two rounds. They were the coach physically. What are the top point guards in yesterday's draft? Strong as a bull, shoots like one too. And you brought up the word bull. There's no way I would want him on the bull. And as a dire I, I, I watched the guy play. He lacks character and heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might be the most physically gifted point guard in that in, in the yeah. draft yesterday. There is there's that like ten percent. I was going to say five percent, even better than that. Ten to fifteen percent chance that the guy actually could get things together and become a heck of. 
one of those guys who could be big to could, not likely, but could be a better NBA player than he was a college player. His game is suited for the NBA. Yeah, you know that that's you're right. There are players like that, and that's what like this Amon Shumpert that the Knicks take. That's that's who they think that his help. He's better playing with the big boys than the, the than the little boys. Mm-hmm. But Demetri Mutami is unselfish. He you know all that stuff, coach. But he lacks something. He lacks the ability to uh, get back up when things are tough. Yep. I, I don't know how any other way to to put it. Like when the chips are down, you don't want Demetri Mutami on your team. Period. And uh, I hate to tell you, if you're an NBA player over to 82 games and possibly 16 playoff victories. There's going to be times when the chips are down, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to count on you know you're going to have to count on players that can deal with it that aren't going to fold. Yep, good point, no question about it. Big dog and a coach going in the NBA draft. We're going to get to uh, baseball and a couple other topics. Maybe jump off the sports page a little bit as well. In a related note, by the way, I don't know if you saw this or not, Randy. Uh, you, you know the player Randy Meyer, uh, Randy Meyer, Ron Artest, right? Uh-huh. Did you see Ron Artest is changing his name? No, I didn't. Chad Johnson, who went to Ocho, uh, Chad Ocho Cinco. Ron Artest has legally changed his name, Big Dog, to Meta World Peace. And Meta, I believe, is a Muslim term for kind. So his name will now be Meta and his last name, World Peace. Not often we get the Big Dog speeches. If World Be Free can do it, let Ron Artest do it. Oh, that's right. What a backcourt that would be. World be free and meta world peace in the same backcourt. That, that would that would that'd be some pretty big stuff, coach. <laughs> then they probably they need a power for with the last name of like artillery just to go with that. You know, coach, how was uh, World Be Free's game? I mean, I know he was an all star, but was he like a a good like defensive he, player? You know what I mean? Yeah, he was tough. He was tough. His actual first name was Lloyd, and then he went to World Be Free. A little bit the build strong like a Dimitri McCamey. He could score, had some toughness, uh, you know, decent outside shooter, good defender. He was, a, the best way I can describe him, kind of a, a power point guard. Okay, that's good. I mean, I really, because I, I wasn't watching the NBA at the time, yeah. but I, I've heard so many stories about her. So, mm-hmm. okay, by the way, just just to go through this. Now we're going back to the draft. Jan Vasily's girlfriend. Yeah. Her name is Ava Udoskova. Okay. They've been okay. dating for three and a half years. She lives in Prague. Wait, how did you get all this info? Because I, I got I got people that are working for wow, me, Coach. Wow, that's incredible. Okay. And if you think she's a gold digger, people, he's the gold digger. She's the one with the money at the time, and she's studying. She's soon to be an architect, and the family is uh, wealthy. Is She comes from a family that builds uh, buildings in Czechoslovakia. And you said they've been going out three and a half years? Yeah, so you would think she's the one being like, "Oh, I get to me uh-huh. in the NBA, I'd be rich." No, that's not it. She's, she's the rich <laughs> one. I, I gotta tell you something. Now this guy seriously got game, okay? Because if you think if you see these guys with like the hot chick just on the draft, mm-hmm. you know that they're going to be the ones that fold, that end up like <laughs> the hooker, or they they do cocaine or something. But a guy that's already had a hot chick for three and a half years before he got to the NBA, that's the guy that you can trust on your team. <laughs> You think I'm kidding about that? Now that's that's the said. that's NBA breakdown you won't get on a lot of other sports talk shows, folks. Two guys in a mic. We should go national. Uh, oh, we are national. Coach, 85% of the guys in the draft can play basketball on the NBA level. Only about 40% of these guys are going to be successful NBA players, and only about 60% are going to be able to make the NBA more than three years. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
The difference, so I'm like, say 85% complete. The difference is you got to find out the guys that are just going to totally destroy their own career by doing something stupid and, and being weak-minded. Yep. If you date something like that for three and a half years before you get in the NBA, you're doing something right, Coach. I don't appreciate the terms something like that. You're you're denigrating the female commodity, a nice young lady like that, and I agree with your opinion. I, I didn't mean to be disrespectful. No, a little, little, little chauvinism coming through there, but we'll let that slip by. Oh, we need to move from uh, Jan Vesely's girlfriend of the NBA draft. If I know you've got everything up on the screen right now, Big Doug. That could be tough for you to do, but can we move to some other topics? Uh, Coach, I don't think I can move into more pictures of this of Ava Kudyskova. What's what's her name? Ava who? Kornikova. Ava Kudyskova. Wow. I don't know if you know the European players, but you can certainly pronounce their names. It's it's so much. Yeah. Well, I, I have fun doing that, Coach. Yes. I, I got to be honest. When I'm alone, I actually I fake Russian accents. I talk <laughs> Russian when I'm alone. I'm not yeah. kidding you. Well, you but, should do it more often when you're not alone. I would think. That ability, uh, after a couple of beers on a lonely night at some local establishments, that would play well with some of the uh, female commodity in uh, some of our fine Chicago area taverns. Excuse me, is this food that you're taking? Would you like the vodka? You know, I mean, I can do that, Coach. Yeah. Do you know in this city where there is to go fun? (laughs) I'll try it, Coach. All right, let's see if it works. But whenever my girlfriend's not in the mood, I start talking to her. In Russian, and then she's in the mood. Yeah, immediately. I think that would work. A couple times, not today necessarily, but a couple times, uh, it's worked on me over the radio. <laughs> Got me in the mood. All of a sudden, David Olson starts to look good. It's, uh, you know, hey, the voice can work wonders. All right, can we move on, Big Dog? I uh, would. That's all. Yes. We have many yeah, things to talk about here. NBA draft was fun. We'll go over it a little bit more on Monday. But uh, baseball action. Both our Cubs and Sox were off yesterday. So, uh, few baseball games out there. San Francisco knocked off Minnesota two to one. The Giants have been a little bit of a roller coaster since Buster Posey's leg got shattered. They were down for a while. They're back up. That was a big, to me, a big comeback series for the Giants. Uh, two out of three against Minnesota. And yeah, uh, up and down is the best way to put it because. Uh, Think about the guy pitching yesterday, Tim Tim Jimmy Jim, the freak, Tim Lincecum. He's been the most up and down guy in on their roster yesterday. Yeah, he's been up a lot more than he's been down. Well, this year he's actually had a lot of down for the first time. You know, he always has like a stretch every season where he has like he's bad, and you're like, how can Tim Lincecum be this bad? I mean, he got shelled like his first four starts in June, coach. I'm like thinking, it was, oh, this is a little. I mean, he got hit really hard. The DRA was like over eight in his last four starts. Hmm. Yesterday, oh my goodness! When he throws strikes, he's unhittable. Uh, I watched the highlights on Quick Pitch last night. Oh my goodness! They showed basically every pitch of the game that he had. This stuff is crazy nasty. 170 pounds, and he just dominates out there. Pretty cool. Seven innings, 12 strikeouts, and two walks. Pretty good job by Lincecum. Good game, the Giants. Yeah. Knock off Minnesota 2-1. to one. Mets beat the A's 4-1. to one. The Oakland win streak comes to an end. The Mets have climbed their way, big dog, within a game of 500. They're nearing respectability, which is something the Mets haven't neared for a while. And Jose Reyes, a couple of hits. He led the way. Is he a MVP candidate? I know he leads the National League in batting right now and playing a pretty good shortstop. Um, right now in the National League, he is the MVP. And wow. I, I know I, typically you know, I'm always going to give it to the first-place teams and stuff, Coach. He's having a year so far, 70 games into this season, that is mouth-dropping. He has a chance, Coach, to break the triple record. 
He's on pace for 33 triples. The record is 36. I know he's not going to get 37 triples. He's not. That's not going to happen. He's not going to break the record. But there, there's something to be said about a guy who's having a, a, like a triple season. Do you know what I mean? He's hitting extra base hits. He's flying around the bases. He's cr- he is a one-man wrecking crew right now for the New York Mets. And to be honest, he's a free agent at the end of the year. I can't imagine how much money this guy's going to end up getting paid, Coach. He's playing gold glove level uh, shortstop. And I'm talking about routine and making plays that your mouth will drop on. And then, by the way, he's hitting 330. He's going to steal 80 bases this year. He's going to hit 25 home runs. He's leading the National League in uh, run scored, batting average, on base, no, not on base percentage. He's like in second. And I'm not kidding you. Every time you watch the guy in a, in a game, Coach, he does something that wows you. Right now he's playing like Barry Bonds in the mid-'90s. Right mm-hmm. now, that's, I mean, he's like everything he does is right. If you if you're selling, I'm buying. You convince me. He, he sounds like he should be the leading MVP candidate. And really, when you talk about MVP, big dog, you talk about the, the valuability of a player. I think you could go across the major leagues, and if you took one guy off a team, I don't think any team would be hurt bigger than the New York Mets. If you took Reyes off the Mets, I think they would take a deeper drop than any one player on one team. David Wright's been injured. He really has been the uh, the charisma, the fire, the spark in addition to all the numbers for the New York Mets. You know, you're exactly right. When people in New York are like, who are they going to keep, David Wright or Jose Reyes? Well, they should try to keep both. But out of the two, how could you how could you let go of Jose Reyes? And See, he's taken a lot of, of grief because he's had some very serious uh, like injuries the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's like a, he had a calf, a groin, and a hamstring. And those are all the ones that linger throughout the season. And and he's a guy that runs and, and is, he really needs his legs to go with him. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing is like because they have to figure out who they're going to go with. Coach, is, isn't it kind of sad? The Mets, I wouldn't say sad. It's kind of funny. The Mets don't have enough money to pay both their superstar players. Yeah, that's because they long-term signed contract. some long term contracts, just like the uh, Chicago Cubs did, and got too much money tied up right now. Hey, uh, how about the Washington Nationals? Now, this is really an interesting story. Switching to baseball here. Baseball yeah, fans, yeah. you want to check in? Give us a call. Your comments, your thoughts. Big Dog and the Coach at your Soivis, 888-463-6748. The phone number. Dial it up. We'll get you right on. But the Nats, the Nationals win one to nothing. Big Dog, and a thriller over Seattle. Jason Marquis. This is how good things are going for the Washington Nationals. Jason Marquis. I thought he was out of the major league. He he pitches an eight-inning shutout that closed the game down. But then their manager, Jim Riggleman, in the midst of a huge streak, what, they've won 11 out of 12. Everything's going great for the Nationals. He resigns as the manager. I can't ever remember, Big Dog, a manager quitting after a huge win streak. And, of course, there's reasons behind it. Jimmy Riggleman's a pretty class guy. Yeah, he's a class guy. And it's funny, is like I heard, like I read the quotes both said before I saw the, the actual – I'm speaking the quotes beforehand, and I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't sound like uh, like Riggleman, you know. And I was like, this is uh, this is a little weird. Yep. Okay. And I was like, I bet you this Rizzo guy's out of line. So I do. I have to admit, I was prejudiced going into the, watching it. After watching it, Riggleman's telling the truth. The Rizzo guy's totally lying. You, you, you can. I can watch people and be like, that dude's freaking lying. Riggleman really did that. He went in there and was like, hey, I want to talk about the contract. I want an extension. If you want these young guys to listen to me, well, give me a you know, give me a contract, and maybe I'll have a little bit more authority in the locker room. And I, I can understand that thought. Okay, 
And I'm sure it's also a selfish nature. Hey, give me a freaking contract. I will, you know, I'm doing a good job here. And Rizzo's like, oh, yeah, he did. He said either extend my contract or I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I don't – Jim Rizzleman did not say that. So that Mike Rizzo guy is lying. So it's, it's an ugly situation over there. Mm-hmm. Really weird, though. You know, just to play devil's advocate for a little bit. Well, first, even if you're having contract problems, you're still getting paid through the year. And as the manager, you know, you've got some loyalty to your team. And your team is all of a sudden playing really good baseball. So even if you disagree with the owner, uh, I think you owe it to your, your fellow coaches that you hired on. You owe it to the guys that you're coaching to stay with it. So, again, I don't know the details behind it. Maybe there's reasoning. But on the surface, Big Dog, even though you might be right, he's got a legitimate complaint, I can't condone basically quitting on your team because of your contract for next year. That's not cool. We've been agreeing way too much. Stuff today, Coach. I like when we start arguing. <laughs> but I, I, you're, Wait till football right. starts. No, you're right. You know, you're exactly right. And, and even if he was right, blah blah blah. If you the way the best way for him to handle that situation was this. Okay, you're not going to sign me now. I'm going to be awfully expensive at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You know what I'm saying, right? You're right. Okay, fine. I'm going to be real expensive. He's doing a pretty good job with the Nationals. And if you think about like the job he's done, he knew they could not contend last year. You know, and Strasburg didn't blow out his his elbow because of what Riggleman did. Riggleman would sacrifice games to make sure that the kid wasn't exposed and, and beat up too much mm-hmm. as a, as a young pitcher. He's been out of his way to mentor these kids and and put them in the right direction, and it's cost them ball games. I watch a lot of the Nationals, and it seems like he's he's always protecting the pitchers, the pitching staff. He he's not doing the Dusty Baker and having a 21 year old kid go out there and throw 140 pitches. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's and it isn't just pitch count. I mean, he really watched them. So, you know, Washington was trying to build themselves a young team that was good. And other, this is a big loss for them because Ruggleman's a good manager for yep. a young team. Yep. And they've got themselves, after a bad, bad start, a game above 500. Rarely do I take the owner's side, Big Dog. And, again, I'm not specifically talking about this case. But, in general, I am not a big fan of owners extending these coaches' contracts, you know, in football, they've won three, four, five games in a row, you know. Oh, we've extended the coach's contract for three or four or five more years. No, I don't need to extend your contract. I'm paying you a million and a half bucks to coach this year, okay? That should be enough money for you to be motivated. We'll deal with next year when it comes or the year after. You know, things are going good now, but who knows what's going to happen in a year. So if I'm an owner, I would never sign a coach for a long-term contract. Yeah, well, again, we continue to, uh, you know, we continue to agree. When I hear people complaining about their contract, yeah. you know, I got 15 cars to feed. <laughs> Player, coach, you know, a coach should be worried about beating the next team. Let your let your agent worry about your your contract and all that stuff. Get the job done. It's mm-hmm. not like you, I know everybody you know worried about the future and all that stuff. But you, you're right when you're talking about like million dollar guys acting like I'm getting disrespected. I, I need my contract yep. extended. Yeah. So, well, yep. that's what Jose Reyes said. Let's, let's, let's face it. He basically was like, hey, I, I wanted a contract extension. The Mets didn't give it to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to have to talk after this season's yeah. over with. Sure. Look at it cause... I still remember Jeremy Roenick of the, you know, there's been many of these, but the one that sticks out in me, Jeremy Roenick of the Chicago Blackhawks dealing with words and using those exact same words. The Hawks are disrespecting me. They're disrespecting me. You know, what, what are you talking about disrespecting you? They're offering you $4 million. 
So don't give me that crap about your disrespect. Now, if you want to say, hey, there's another owner willing to pay me $6 million and I'm going to go there because i got to take care of my family, I can understand it. But don't tell me the team is disrespecting you when they're offered to pay you $3.5 million a year. You know, it's funny you bring up Jeremy Roenick because you know, we've, we've talked a lot lately just about uh, players who just say the wrong things. One, because they believe it and they're just dumb. And two, is they're not smart enough to be smart enough to say those things. You know what I'm talking about, Coach? Just like yep. the difference. Jeremy Roenick, I, I swear, just says stuff just to get people's ire boiled up. You know, you know what I mean? Just he, he says just like controversial things, and I, and what I remember all that when he went down. Yep. And and I was not a big Bill Wirtz fan, but it was funny is when nobody all that was went down when when all that went down. I was no longer a Jeremy Roenick fan. It was yep. funny. He was trying to like build momentum by bashing Wirtz, and and you're right. And you think about it. It was like the difference on the contract was like seventeen million over four years or sixteen million over four years, mm-hmm. and I know that's a million dollars. That that was six percent of the value of the contract, which is I guess a lot of money. But like the whole disrespect and all that, you're exactly right. And he, basically, he's traded for a guy that never did anything for the Cubs, Alexei Zhamnov, for the Hawks. <laughs> Remember that deal? I forgot about Alexei Zhamnov. So what the Hawks did was yeah. they, they signed him to the deal that Ronak wanted and shipped him to yeah. Phoenix and the. And the Hawks got Alexei Zhamnov, who yep. was getting overpaid also. But he, he was and the rest is history. With them running. On the other hand, Jeremy Roenick, wonderful uh, head of hair. Gray head of hair. Arguably a better better hair than uh, Jan Vesely's girlfriend. Very arguably. That's, it's very arguably, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, Big Dog, I'm heading to the racetrack today. My first visit to Arlington Park Racetrack. I'll do the same thing for producer Randy Meyer, but I want to put a bet down for you, my money. And if it wins, Big Dog, I will uh, send you a, a little collection for you, okay? All, all I want you to do, all I want you to do, and you know what I'm going to say, Coach, but <laughs> the only thing I know about horse racing. What's that? Oh, yeah, bet on number two? Bet on number two. You find out, you just keep watching, you keep watching, you stay by the booth, you stay by the booth, or you get a spotter, you get a spotter, and like, number eight, number eight, you just get there, and you the last horse. Yep. To drop deuce, win the race. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, today, what I want you to do Randy, it's Joel's highly successful theory. It's called bet on number two. When, when, you know, you have a good one. I mean, All right. oh, woo! I, I'm taking a bunch of kids today. I don't know if I'll be able to concentrate on who's going number two. In case I don't, I'm going to throw some names out at you. You pick the name that uh, floats your boat. I'm going to bet on it. If it wins, it's your money. Uh, Twin Power, Long Lake Acrista, Happy Choice, Shea Sorrell. Track and Jerry, Last Wampus, Penelope Perfect, Fantan Man, Outlaw Man, Lawful Oh Lawful Lady racing against Outlaw Man. That could Uh-oh. be pretty good. Uh, Hello Sailor, Rockefeller, King of Stripes, Be Brave. Anybody? Uh, any names stick out at you, Big Dog? Yeah, there, there was, there was, there was. It was like the fourth one in, like the Wambama or something like that. Right, hold That's on, Fantan see. Man. That's who I want. Who? Fantan Man. Okay. Fantan Man. I'm putting two bucks. If he's a long shot, you may have an extra 20 bucks to spend this weekend. Imagine the excitement. Oh, $10 is a long shot? <laughs> I mean, 10 to 1 is a long shot? Yeah, you know, is close that right, Is that right where it gets into long shot is like the double odds on a, on a horse race? Yeah, sounds like it. I always go for the – I have two strategies. It's not quite as uh, – as eloquent as your bet on number two, I go for a mid-range odds, anywhere from 8 to 15-1, and I always go for a closer. Because, you know, 
even if he doesn't win, I want to have a horse that's at least finishing fast. Okay. So, and it's been pretty successful. Mid-range, so you get a decent payout, but he's not a horse with no chance at all. Mid-range odds, who's a good closer more often than not. Not as successful as your tremendous theory bet on number two, but it's close to it. Uh, we got to wrap up the show, Big Dog, for the female fans out there. And uh, they're growing all the time, the female stalkers. I mean, the female fans out there. Where might they find a very single, eligible, and good-looking Big Dog this weekend? Uh, well, they wouldn't find any of those if they found me, if that's what you're talking about. Take it easy. Single, eligible, or good-looking. Come on now. Okay, but uh, this weekend you will find me in a kayak, waterriders.com, <laughs> or tell them you want the Big Dog special. Uh-huh. Or, or just be like... I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the guy that's on the radio, and we'll talk, Bryce. That's can they? Do they? Can they pay extra and actually get in your kayak for the tour? That's a lot of extra, Coach, because legitimately, well, I, we can go with the two person. But yeah, okay. I worry about flipping. All right. So I don't want. And, I, I, no, no, no. That's a lot extra. You and know. anybody out there who is taking the kayak tours with the big dog, remember to tip your waiter, please. Come on. Coach, the first time I did it and didn't get tip happened recently. Shocking. So I was I was very disappointed. Absolutely shocking. Shocking. These you swoopers, coach. <laughs> you know, they pay thirty bucks for a freaking tour, and then you know, next thing you know, they don't even tip. People paying yeah. eighty bucks to tour, they're tipping. Just not know. right. Ah, uh, we got to wrap it up, dog. I will talk to you on Monday. Be safe out there. You know, I'll be reading the crime report and then the obituaries. I don't want to see your name, okay? You won't, coach. You won't. Have fun, everybody. Beautiful. Monday at ten, we'll do it again. Randy Myers, great job. Fill it in for a David Olson. In fact, you were so good today, we might have David take another day off on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday at 10. Please don't be late. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. Signing off. <laughs>